Today's episode is sponsored by an upcoming movie called If. We don't go to the theater a lot as a family, mostly because it's tough to find a movie we're all going to like, but If is one of those movies. It comes out in theaters May 17th. I saw the trailer the other day, and we ended up watching the trailer multiple times to check out all the different imaginary friends that are in it. Some of them are what you would think an imaginary friend would be like, a nice-looking monster kind of. But other ones are so random, like this one that's a knight and one's a dragon and one is just a banana. And it gets wilder too, but I'm not going to spoil it all for you. The movie is about this girl who can see imaginary friends. And she goes on this magical adventure to reconnect forgotten imaginary friends with their kids. I know me and my kids are going to enjoy going to the theater for this one. And the cast has tons of our favorite performers like Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph, Matt Damon, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt. John Krasinski wrote the movie inspired by his own kid's imagination to be funny and exciting for all ages. It looks like a real slam dunk. The movie If releases in theaters May 17th and we are totally going, so check it out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Kids Stories Podcast. I'm Phil Bechtel. Before we get started today, I want to give a shout out to Azalea and Hazel from Austin, Texas. They have shared some pretty awesome drawings of tree beasts that you can check out on the website. Thanks so much, Azalea and Hazel. I also want to give a shout out to Haven from Longmont, Colorado. Haven has shared with us a drawing of Steve the Goblin King and Chewie the Dog probably two of the most beloved characters on the Kids Stories podcast. Be sure to check those out on the website, too. Thanks, Haven. Now, for today's story, we get to revisit the Campground Powers series. I'm so excited to get back to Hallie and Eli and their friends Marty and Steven Sandwich for fun at the campground. Today's episode is called Bardo's Bicycles. Hallie and Eli woke Saturday morning to another great day in the forest. They stepped out of their camper and sat at their lawn chairs situated around the campfire. They weren't quite awake yet, and like most days in the campground, they took their time. The quiet morning of the forest was interrupted with the sound of two boys running toward them, huffing and puffing and out of breath. Hallie and Eli sat up in their chairs to see Stephen and Marty Sandwich running down the road to their campsite. Now this was quite unusual, since Stephen and Marty were not used to getting up this early, and Eli and Hallie never expected to see them before 10 a.m. "'What are you guys doing over here so early?' asked Hallie. The two boys leaned forward, putting their hands on their knees and trying to catch their breath. "'Our bikes are gone,' said Marty, the older of the two brothers." Then Hallie and Eli realized that they had left their bicycles at the playground the night before. Big mistake. It was campground etiquette to pick up all your stuff. Gloves, balls, bags, bicycles, whatever, and return it to your campsite. Things rarely got left out since most people who camped there cleaned up after themselves. But last night they were all playing a huge game of tag at the park that ended up going late. Everyone was spread out all over the campground and then got called back for dinner. 
Eli, Hallie, Stephen, and Marty all ran right to their campsites and completely forgot about their bikes, still leaned up against the same tree near the play structure. Oh, nuts, said Hallie, and a small group of squirrels scurried down from the tree next to her, expecting to be fed nuts. No, not you guys. I don't have any nuts. Go back up in the tree, she said. Eli, we gotta go get our bikes back before Mom and Dad find out we left them at the park. That's what we're trying to tell you guys, said Stephen. They're gone. Me and Marty got up early so we could go and get them, but they're just not there. Well, I guess we could walk through the campground, suggested Eli. Uh, maybe another kid took him back to their campsite for the night to make sure nothing happened to him. Eli didn't really think that's what happened to their bicycles, but he didn't have any other ideas. None of them did. So maybe they would just turn up if they started looking around. For the next hour, the four of them walked all through the campground, waving hello to the people they knew, keeping an eye out for any of their bikes. But nothing turned up. They were beginning to believe that someone had come to the campground and stolen them in the middle of the night. That wouldn't make much sense, though. Cars didn't just go cruising through the campground in the middle of the night. It all came together when they reached the entry point to the campground. At the entry point was a very small building, like as small as a shed. Inside this little room was a desk and some cabinets. Whenever people came to the campground to go camping, they drove their cars and stopped at this little shed. The person inside would check to make sure they had a reservation or they would book a campsite for them, and then they drove past to their campsite. Everybody called this tiny building the Entry Hut. Today, when the four kids reached the entry point, they saw their bikes. And they saw Mr. Bardo. Mr. Bardo was a park volunteer who seemed to give the kids an especially hard time. And today it was no different. Bardo, said Eli. He took our bikes and locked them up. He's never going to give them back. Sure enough, as they got closer, they could see that all four of their bikes had been chained and locked to a small bike rack behind the entry building. Can't we just tell our parents and then they'll come get our bikes back? wondered Hallie out loud. Yeah, they'll get our bikes back and then we'll get in trouble for leaving them out at the playground, said Eli. Or they'll just leave them there to teach us a lesson, added Marty. The group of kids stopped there on the side of the road and just stared at their bikes and at Mr. Bardo sitting in his lawn chair reading the newspaper. The kids rode their bikes every single day, sometimes all day. The idea of going days without their bikes was awful. The kids stood there getting madder and madder, and before they could turn around, Mr. Bardo saw them. He turned, looked at the bikes, and then looked at the kids and said, Found some bikes left out overnight. Shame to see the campground littered with everyone's things. I'll have to have them locked up here. When will you give us our bikes back? asked Marty. I won't, said Bardo. You'll have to wait for the other volunteer. Maybe she'll take pity on you. The kids knew that Stacy, the other volunteer, 
wasn't coming back to work until Monday. And they knew that Stacy would definitely give them their bikes back because she's nice. But they couldn't wait until Monday to get their bikes back. The kids turned around and started walking back the way they came. We can't wait until Monday to get our bikes back, you guys, said Eli. We need a plan. So they went down to their thinking spot, a nice little bench next to the pond. After some discussion, they had it figured out. Eli set up near a few campsites that had campfires going. He was kicking around his hacky sack so he didn't seem suspicious. Hallie Joe was pretending to pick flowers off in the woods near the bikes, and Stephen and Marty were hiding in the woods, with a clear view of the entry hut. Mr. Bardo was leaning his chair back against the wall of the entry hut, reading the newspaper just like always. Eli began using his campground powers to magically push some campfire smoke into the woods. In a few minutes, there was a suspicious amount of smoke flowing through the trees. And while campfires were normal at a campground, most volunteers and rangers were quick to investigate a lot of smoke in the forest. Just as the kids suspected, Mr. Bardo lurched out of his chair, making old man sounds on his way up. He didn't think anything was wrong, really, but he needed to check it out to be sure. He looked down the road and didn't see any cars coming up to the entry shack, so he walked out into the woods to make sure nothing in there was burning. Just as he did, Marty Sandwich did a little sneak run and made it to the inside of the shack. He was looking all around for a key that would open the lock that was chaining the bikes to the bike rack. He knew what that kind of a key would look like, so it was only a matter of time before he found it. He was searching all over the desk, looking through piles of paper and other keys and office supplies. Before he found the key, though, he heard the sound of a car driving up to the entry shack. He turned and saw Mr. Bardo coming back from the woods to check in the approaching car and there was nowhere for Marty to go. If he went out the front door, Bardo would see him leaving the building, and there was no other way out. Marty thought fast and decided to use his campground power to hide. He crawled under the desk and, in a flash, turned into a sandwich. A delicious-looking sandwich, really, with turkey and cheese and lettuce and mayo and fresh-sliced tomatoes. Mr. Bardo entered the shack and the car pulled all the way up. The people in the car lowered their window and began talking with Mr. Bardo, showing him their reservation papers. Eli, Hallie, and Stephen looked on nervously from outside the shack. They knew that Mr. Bardo hadn't discovered Marty yet, but they were worried that he would. Finally, the car drove on into the campground, and Mr. Bardo stacked some papers onto the desk. He dropped a pen, and when he leaned down to get it, he saw a sandwich. A delicious-looking sandwich right there on the floor. Now, most people would be like, why is there a sandwich on the floor and who put it there? But not Mr. Bardo. He was the kind of guy who didn't ask questions like that. He just asked himself, why is that sandwich not in my mouth right now? He leaned down and picked up the sandwich looked it over and wondered if he perhaps left it there the last time he was volunteering. 
Marty, who was still in sandwich form, felt himself being picked up, and he knew it had to be Bardo. He didn't want to give himself away unless it was absolutely necessary. The kids had all agreed to keep their powers a secret. But he didn't want to get eaten, either. He was almost ready to poof himself back into a boy when Stephen took action. Stephen had been watching from the trees and could see what was about to happen. He used his campground power to make Bardo fart. Not just a regular fart, either. It was a huge fart. A fart so loud that a flock of birds in a nearby tree flew off in fear. It was a fart so loud that Bardo looked around to see if anyone heard it. It was a fart so big that Bardo paused and didn't bite the sandwich right away. But he was still holding on to it. So Stephen did it again. And again. And again. Stephen made Bardo fart eight times in a row. Big, awful farts, too. And so Bardo, realizing that he would feel more comfortable in the bathroom just in case, put the sandwich down on the desk and fast-walked over to the campground bathrooms. As soon as Bardo was out of sight, Marty poofed back into himself. A minute more of searching, and he found the key to the lock hanging on a little nail near the door. He grabbed the key off the nail and ran back to the bike rack. Hallie, Stephen, and Eli saw this, and they ran up to the bikes as well. In a flash, Marty opened the lock, and they freed their bikes from the chain wrapping through the bike rack. Marty returned the key to the nail, and the kids took off, headed down to the pond. Bardo eventually returned to the entry shack, wondering if finding that sandwich had all been a daydream. And the kids steered clear of the entry shack for the rest of the weekend, knowing they had narrowly averted disaster. The end. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Now, before I sign off, I want to remind everyone that there is a time and a place for fart jokes. Your grown-ups are going to let you listen to cool podcasts like this one, but only if you're able to follow their rules about using appropriate language. And as always, if you want to reach out to me with a question or a drawing, send an email to kidstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Adios!